Hi, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of Slotkin and Fisher at the Theatre, where Toronto theatre critics Lynn Slotkin and Steve Fisher bring their compatible but contradictory styles together to discuss the latest shows hitting the Toronto stage. I'm your host, Tom McGee. Now, for this show, what we're basically going to do is both of our critics have seen a number of shows and are going to discuss what they thought, and uh, the hope is to create some great critical discourse about the various things hitting our stage today. But before we begin on our very first episode, I wanted to take a minute to introduce our two critics. Uh, so, first of all, we've got uh, Lynn Slotkin. Lynn writes for the Slotkin Letter, which is slotkinletter.com, and can be heard weekly from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. on CIUT Friday morning, 89.5 FM. So thanks for joining us, Lynn. My pleasure. Thank you. And on my right here, we've got Steve Fisher. So Steve is the winner of the 2016 Nathan Cohen Award for Excellence in Theatre Criticism in the Short Form category, and a 2015 National Magazine Award nominee for his arts and culture coverage with The Torontoist. Steve has been covering arts and entertainment in Toronto and Canada for over 15 years. He is the top all-time contributor at Torontoist, having written more than 1,200 posts in various capacities, including contributing editor, listings editor, and urban planner. Other outlets he has contributed to include Now Magazine, Post City, The AV Club, and CBC Music. And you can find his writings at gracingthestage.ca. I sound like a piker <laughs> compared to this this cute man's stuff. Oh, I shouldn't say that, should I? Okay, oh, you can say that. Let's keep on going. That's fine. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm and also... We, your bio is short, but you've also contributed to CBC. And you've yeah, been, yeah, you've been doing this a long time. I've been doing it a long time. Yeah. Okay, you're right. okay, there no, you go. We're getting all of our compliments out of the way so yeah, we can get down to Now I'm going to suck your eyeballs fight. up. Yeah. Yeah. Lynn and I can say anything we want about any of these shows. We are not theater creators, but Tom is. Yeah. So in these discussions about shows, Tom will resolutely have no opinion about the shows himself. He is a neutral Switzerland. <laughs> Excuse me? Before we uh, get into it, I'd like to throw a special thank you out to our sponsor, uh, Brick and Mortar Toronto, and you'll be hearing about them a little later on in the podcast. So, uh, for our very first episode, what we wanted to do was cover the Next Stage Festival, which is running right now here in Toronto. Ten shows running for two weeks in some of the coldest months of the year, but in one of the warmest theaters in the city. So that's always good news. So uh, to kick things off, we're going to break this down into talking about the shows that happen in the Factory Studio. Uh, we're going to talk about the Antichamber shows next, and then finally the Main Stage shows. So to kick things off, uh, the way this is going to work is we're going to have five minutes uh, for our critics to uh, give a brief summary of what they thought of the piece. Uh, and then have a brief discussion. So thank you so much for joining us. And off we go. So for our very first play, uh, we are going to be discussing the Herald experience. So uh, Lynn, why don't you kick us off? <laughs> <laughs> Kicking off is uh, is apt. Uh, I hated this piece. Right. Uh, it started off with um, with Rob Baker, one of the ensemble members of this uh, uh, improv group explaining that there is a little known secret in improvisation called the Herald experience and he's talking about this little secret uh, thing and then uh, does not go and explain exactly what that is to people like me who are not um, uh, devotees of improv we have people going in in the company coming into the audience and chatting them up and asking for uh, information about their lives etc and from that information they all converge on stage all 11 of them or 10 of them depending on what night you went mm -hmm. and they then have their first skit which in this in my case was about touching not physical <laughs> not physical, but in the sense of something was touching, etc. So they then go and do various 
prepared skits, it seems to me. They go from subject to subject to subject. We talk about, ra- we talk about rabid raccoons. We talk about a long-lost father who returns home. We talk about all sorts of things. I found it witheringly deadly unfunny. Uh, the only people who seemed to have a good time here were the people behind me who I think might have been related to the 11, 10 or 11 people on stage. And the other group that was having a fantastic time was the cast. It was not funny. It was not inventive. It seemed labored. And it was, God forgive me, deadly, life-shortening. I so this was the show I was most excited to talk about with Lynn because <laughs> she is not a devotee of improv. Uh, I see a lot of it. I have a lot of training in improv myself. And I was uh, wondering if this would be the show that would make her a devotee. That's obviously not been the case. And we did see the same show. We saw the first show. And I think I knew at the end of it that this was not going to be one you liked. Mm-hmm. Um, so about the Herald, none of it is prepared. Um, so everything that we saw that day was supposed to have been generated from the suggestions got from the audience. So every time you see the show, it is going to be different. So the quality of the show is going to depend on the, um, uh, experience of the improvisers and, uh, the amount of, um, rehearsal that they've had, not of specific prepared scenes, but, uh, working together as a collective. And uh, this is a new company, the Assembly Theatre, and uh, this is their first big show outside of their own shows that they produced at various venues around town. And um, Lynn hated it. I did not hate it, but I did think that it was, as an improv shows go, mediocre. It was not necessarily the best introduction to a theatre audience to how good improv can be. Um, there were some great performers. I really liked Rob Baker and Matt Foliott's scene together, the first scene that kicked off. Uh, Again, none of that was uh, prepared. It was all improvised off the top of their heads. But I do have to agree with you that this was not the best necessarily showcase for improv in this festival. So I was a little disappointed because recently improv in this town has um, really taken some steps forward using improv uh, as a discipline to create really interesting stuff like the true blue crime procedural and of course all the stuff that's uh, that rebecca northern's company has been doing up at tarragon but this the herald game is uh, although it's a very difficult exercise it's fairly basic um it, it it does not it's 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 an elemental uh way of learning it's the only thing that uh a Prince citizens brigade does in la yeah so Mediocre improv show did not use the form effectively. Obviously, did not make you a convert. Uh, I've seen good uh, good yep. improv. Uh, um, uh, Rebecca Northen, of course. Yeah. I was not keen on one of her previous shows, okay. and I went with trepidation to Undercover. Right. It was astonishing to me. Mm-hmm. It, I've seen good improv done really, really wonderfully well. This was not an example of it, and I, I, I would uh, hesitate to go and see this company again. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if forced, if chocolate was at the end of the day, <laughs> I would go and see them, sure. But so boy, that's, a, that's an interesting lesson for um, all the companies listening. Yeah, if chocolate, you add chocolate at the end, <laughs> yeah. you might get uh, one of those coveted mm-hmm. uh, Lynn Slotkin thumbs up. Maybe, maybe. 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 So, um, so Lynn just, would definitely not recommend this show. I would say that if you're already a fan of improv, it's it's it might be interesting to see 
because of the uh, the cast, which is a mix of veteran improvisers and up and coming improvisers in this relatively new company. Um, but I can't give it a strong recommendation, mm-hmm. although I don't agree with Lynn that it was deadly. Deadly. All right, which brings us to the end of round one. All right, so here we go with round two, where we'll be discussing Good Morning Vietnam by the Soaring Skies Collective in association with Cahoots Theatre. So, uh, Steve, why don't you tell us your thoughts? Sure. So, this is Franco Nguyen's uh, one-man show about his relationship with his mother. It originally debuted at the Fringe last uh, summer as Soaring into Liquid Skies, which is a beautiful, evocative title, and I, I miss that title. But this one is, this title is more accurate, because the show is all about his relationship with his mother, um, and the fact that... <clears throat> He, um, he's grown up in Canada with uh, very little contact with his relatives, and the show is prompted by he and his mother taking uh, a series of trips over the last few years to Vietnam and meeting the extended family and him realizing uh, the, the difficulty that his mother has had in raising him uh, as a, uh, an immigrant with uh, no familiar support. Um, it's, it's a great show. It's, uh, Franco is a... Uh, Stand-up, uh, he primarily, that's his background, and he's a very good stand-up. I've seen him do stand-up. Uh, for this show, he worked with uh, Cahoots Theatre and director Byron Abelos, and uh, they really put together this, this great show that utilizes Franco's strengths, but also uh, delves into the more um, uh, upsetting, tragic, uh, or uh, moving parts of Franco's life story, essentially. Um, and uh, Franco is also a uh, filmmaker. Uh, he studied film, so there's a series of uh, film projections from his trips to Vietnam, uh, meeting his family, most of whom for the first time. And uh, I also thought those were very, very moving and effective. It's it's a great show. The audience gave it a standing ovation when I saw it, and I think I agree, agree with them. And uh, Lynn, what did you think? I loved it. I think he's so talented and he's so charming that he wins you over. He wins you over with the first line, which is, I'm not Chinese. Mm -hmm. So he addresses our ignorance. uh, I'm not going to, prejudice, maybe. And he says that several times. I'm not Chinese. I'm Vietnamese. And so he makes us think, what is the difference Maybe I should be more sensitive to that. He talks about how to pronounce his name. He's mis- he, he shows the various ways of mispronouncing it. So he presses all of our buttons of, of our insensitivity to other cultures. And he does it with charm and grace and generosity and open-heartedness. And that same open-heartedness follows it follows in the story he's aggravated about having to be the translator for his mother he's embarrassed that he's living it's still living at home at 28 or 30 and we watch him go on a journey as he goes to vietnam and visits his his family and as he sort of reconnects with his absent father and as he relearns who his mother is and what she had to contend with and how he has gone from being embarrassed in the beginning and how he's now proud of of the fact that I'm 28, I'm 30, whatever, I'm 30 years old and I live at home. And it's said with a a new confidence, Mm -hmm. a new pride. And certainly 
a lot of respect for his mother, which I don't think was ever in question. I love that show a lot. I yeah. want to see this kid again. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Steve, so you mentioned the uh, the original Fringe run. Did yeah. you see it then? I did not. Uh, Lynn, did you see it in the No, I'm, no. I'm never here for the Fringe. Okay, gotcha. Never here. Because um, it's always interesting, of course, to see how, particularly when a Next Stage show, because uh, for those of you who don't know, um, Next Stage will allow... Uh, any anyone who's had a show in the Fringe to apply, but they don't have to necessarily apply with the show they did at the Fringe Festival. Mm-hmm. Right. So often you'll see new works by familiar Fringe performers, but I'm always curious about shows that have taken that next step. Yeah. Uh, and from the sounds of things, very positively, yeah. since uh, both of you had such a positive reaction mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I'll admit I was watching the show for reference to Soaring Through Liquid Skies, and there wasn't anything, save perhaps some of the... Uh, video footage that he shot in Vietnam. So if you're listening, Franco and Byron, I'd, I'd love to uh, hear about where that reference came from and if uh, that reference was cut from this version of the show. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, honestly, having questions that positive and then wanting to dive deeper, always a great sign after yeah. the show. So fantastic. That is Good Morning Vietnam. Right, so next up we have Birthday Balloon by Mozzie Mae Productions. Uh, Lynn, what did you think? I loved it. <laughs> i, I got to stop saying that. I really was intrigued by the story. The story is written by Steve Cochran. It's about a couple, David and Millie, who are married. Their marriage is on the rocks. It's really tricky. Dave has left Newfoundland, where they both live, and he's gone to Fort McMurray to make a lot of money because he has to he has to tend to his family. But when he was away, he began keeping company with another woman, and he now wants to leave the marriage, and Millie is, uh, is in despair about this. So... Dave has come home and they are uh, they are going through the roller coaster ride of trying to keep their marriage together and they are dredging up all sorts of things there is there was a tragedy in their life that they reference and that seems to be keeping them together and tearing them apart I love this for the writing uh, Steve Cochran is obviously a Newfoundland writer he writes with the um colorful way of expressing things. At one point, Millie says that Dave is built like a bag of milk. Hmm. I ask you, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, can you not envision that? It is brilliant. And there are so many instances here that are so deeply felt, so brought out in the production by these two wonderful actors, Craig Pike and Renee Hackett. It's directed with great sensitivity by Stephen Gallagher. I loved everything about this. I thought at the end they might have been going off a little on a tangent until I realized there's a reason for that because we've got to see what's happening with one of the characters. I thought it was beautifully acted, beautifully directed, wonderfully written I, I loved it a lot yep. and, uh, Steve? I liked this one a lot too uh, it really hit home for me um, my background, I, I grew up in Ontario but my entire extended family lives in St. John's uh, just about, they're all, so a lot of this rang very true for me including the aspects of, you know 
family members having to go out west to find work and sending money home and only getting home on the odd, you know, rare occasions, and uh, all the all the tensions that are implicit in um, and historical, certainly in the last like 30, 40 years, in, in St. John's and Newfoundland, they're they're all in this script, and there's all sorts of great, you know. Uh, cultural references and slang such as Fausti, which all ring really true for me. I don't speak with an accent, but five minutes back home in St. John's, I start speaking like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it was great. I agree with you on all, all aspects of the show. The one thing I would wonder is, they, they actually cook on stage of the show. Yes, they do. She makes pancakes. Why didn't she make Towton's? That's the one question I have for. <laughs> what is that? Does it have a smell? Yes. Well, they can't do that because I I, well, I spoke to Steve, uh, to Steve Gallagher, yeah. and he said they wanted to do bacon. They can't do that. If there is any kind uh, of smell that would linger in that theater for the next company, you can't do it. Oh, okay. So pancakes was it? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so they're sort of thicker and yeah. Well, it makes sense too because they milks. they well they also evoke um, the same sorts of senses other than smell. You get the sizzle. You get yeah, that's the pouring. Right. You get. The, the beating of the pancake yeah. mix. So you still get all of that sort of tactile stuff without uh, the bacon smell or hot grease. True, yeah. true. I, I Maybe the answer, and I may answer my question is here, is they didn't make Tattons because no one in the audience, unless they were Newfoundlanders, would know what she was making. Well, so exactly. in the <laughs> same way that you can win Lynn over with chocolate, apparently if yeah. you give Steve Tattons, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you can get yourself some coverage. All right, Fine. thank you very much. That was Birthday Balloon. Today's episode is brought to you by Brick and Mortar. Brick and Mortar Toronto began in 2012 with the aim to provide clean, beautiful, and affordable creative space to artists, regardless of their experience level or financial situation. Co-founded by local actors and producers Casey Dunn and Vicky Velanosi, Brick and Mortar currently runs four studios across three locations spread across downtown Toronto. You can book space at The Attic, The Box, or The Commons for as low as $17 an hour. To book your space or to learn more, visit www.brickandmortartoronto.com. Thanks, Brick and Mortar. You guys are awesome. All right, so next up we have Moonlight After Midnight by Concrete Drops Theater. Steve, what did you think? Um, so this is a great show. I think it's a fascinating show based on its construction. Uh, it, it was made specifically, I think, for the Fringe Circuit because it comes in at exactly an hour. Uh, we meet a uh, Two people in a hotel room, a man and a woman. We never get their names, and they know that they're going to be together for exactly an hour. And uh, as the play progresses, the two of them role-play through certain relationships. I'm trying not to spoil anything here, but it goes on almost sort of like an inception level of they drop down into a new role-play and a new role-play. And you as the audience, you start to question what is the truth of the relationship that they have here. I saw this last summer at the Fringe. I loved it then, and I still love it. And I'm still, after having watching it, I'm still not 100% positive I know which is the true relationship. And I kind of love that about the play. Although a lot of other people I've spoken with have said, no, it's clearly about this couple and what happened and... But I love the fact that you can debate that and that you can talk about this show. Uh, it's a New York-based company. Uh, Martin Dockery and Vanessa Quinnell are the writers. Um, Dockery wrote it. Quinnell uh, was dramaturg. And uh, the great performances as well. Very subtle. Really well shaded. They've been doing the show a while. It's great that it's back in Toronto. 
Mm-hmm. Lynn, what do you think? Um, I have just uh, I managed to to have just one word uh, that I wrote on my uh, program, um, and the word is drivel. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I I was trying very hard to keep up with the role playing and and deciding why should I care about you people. He she comes into a room where he is sitting, and they have arranged to come in, and then they start the role play, and he says, "No, don't, 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 don't." say that you know me don't pretend that you know me they obviously know each other they're playing this role playing maybe they did that in their relationship and it goes on and on and on it was the longest hour I have spent in a theater in a long time and I'm thinking my patience of what is going on here is running out until maybe the last several last few minutes when you find out what happened why they're there, in which they are then discussing with each other very clearly, very precisely. The other, the, the, the previous 97 hours of this one-hour show, uh, <laughs> it indicates that maybe they, this is how they got their jollies. They were role-playing, they were doing this, they were doing that. You've got to consider your audience. At a certain point, their, 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 you know, their good eyes are rolling with boredom and why am I watching you role play and role play and get more and more minute in the role play and people were leaving when I was there a lot of people were leaving I thought what is that so uh, I I did not like this I thought it was drivel for 95% of it and then we have a situation that explains it and we know who they are and we know what has to be done in order for one of them to have closure I'm working too hard for this show to like it so no I'm not going to say I hated it I'm just saying it's a drivel and hell would be having to sit through it again okay so other than that uh, obviously you had a a different experience of it Um, how did did you feel about that ending sequence that uh, that was the part that Lynn actually connected with uh, compared to the rest of the piece Right. Okay. So the the last few minutes that Lynn is referring to is when if you are waiting for a definitive answer from the show as to what the relationship is between these two people, well, that's you can take it from there. But what I, I loved the tension in the play. It's it's a very tense hour because the two of them are constantly on this tightrope that could break at any moment if one of them said the wrong thing and one of them destroyed the illusion that they were trying to create together of this very uh, fragile relationship that's being picked up after. Uh, a long time apart, um, and I I found that endlessly fascinating. I really enjoyed the show. Obviously, we disagree on we this. We disagree. One. We disagree. Um, if I can ask, uh, Steve, what was the experience of watching it uh, at Next Stage like compared to watching it at the Fringe? It was no different. Okay. Uh, this is a, like I said, they've been doing this show for a long time on the Fringe circuit. I think they have it down to a science. It's very practiced. They're very good together. I will add one other thing, uh, Martin Dockery. He's doing a fundraiser this weekend on Saturday night. It's 10.30. It's late at night. He's performing uh, one of his solo shows, Delirium, which was mm. also yeah. at the Fringe this past summer as a fundraiser for Next Stage on the Fringe. Uh, I didn't catch that during Fringe, so I'm not making that mistake again. I've already booked my ticket. Uh, if you liked Moonlight After Midnight, or if you didn't, if you'd rather see what his solo storytelling shows are, um, I'll be there. And I guess uh, one last question for you, Lynn. Um, 
So given that you uh, aren't in town during the Fringe, uh, yes. Steve indicated, and I think you're probably correct, that mm-hmm. um, certainly uh, Martin Dockery is a, a veteran of the Fringe Festival. Very much so. Do you find that that fringe tone or that fringe structure um, in any way impedes your enjoyment of it as a piece outside of the fringe? No, because... not at all. There, there are, there, uh, as we've seen here, there are all sorts of shows that we, that we, I like, regardless of whether it's a fringe show or not. I expect every show to be finished mm-hmm. and done and sure taken to the next stage which is what this is but I want to see some hint as to why this would be in the next stage festival fringe I can cope with um, you know t- you take it or leave it you're, you're lucky or you're not lucky it's the same thing I, I would say for summer works but uh, that that no 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 uh, uh, no 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 so and I knew who they were yeah. the minute they walked in they knew each other they're obviously married there's a problem and it takes 97 hours of that first hour to get there. And I thought, no, I'm sorry. Work it out yourselves in the hallway. Uh, uh, Excellent. Okay. Well, All right. There's, okay. Our, there's our first brawl of the season, everybody. All right. So that was uh, Moonlight After Midnight. And for the final uh, show that we're going to be covering on today's episode, uh, we have one of the two antechamber shows from the Next Stage Festival, which is The Surprise by Crystal Bartels and Dutch Girl Productions. So, Lynn, what did you think? I thought it was energetic, possibly frantic, a little bit hysterical. Um, the, The premise of this show is that Ginger, a woman is uh, planning a surprise party for somebody that we're supposed to know who this is. So everybody in the audience is given a party hat. They are given a uh, 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 name tag that they put their name on. They have um, uh, horn blowers. They have noisemakers, etc., and they are. We are ready for this surprise party. I think even a bag of chips was passed around. And so here's Ginger, who is trying to tell us all of this, what's going to happen, and and who's coming. And she's checking and checking and checking and leaving the stage and looking out the uh, uh, on looking down the stairwell to see if the surprise guest has come. And so every once in a while, she leaves the stage, and obviously the person whose birthday it is makes an entrance, and we are told to clap and cheer, etc. And this this uh, coming and going of Ginger and the birthday girl uh, forms the whole point of this um, antechamber show. I found it interesting. Uh, she's got a certain charm, just does Ms. Bartels. Uh, she uh, certainly, I, 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 was, I was exhausted at the end of it because she is desperately trying to drum up excitement for this for this birthday girl it's not working out properly on purpose and it's it was it was interesting and i like the way she worked with the audience that's in a sense improv in a way and even though it's in it's it's a a scripted show but i liked how she worked with the audience i liked how she interacted etc why we need name tags for a surprise part or for some for somebody we're supposed to know Never mind, but it it works well with the with uh, with uh, Ginger reading off her name. Well, you know, Lynn, could you please uh, pass the uh, pass the chips around? That kind of did business. she address you by name? No, she didn't. Oh, okay. she, did, 
she dressed she dressed other people. She yeah. dressed other people. <laughs> me, are you kidding me? <laughs> Don't even look at me, lady. So <laughs> so that kind of business. So I I enjoyed it. Uh, uh, I was exhausted by it. It was um, it was energetic. It was energetic. See, the thing I'm surprised by is that you went to this one because when we were talking about the shows. I was like, Lynn, you got to go see the improv show, even though I know that's not your thing, because I knew we would disagree about yes, it. Okay. But you said, all right, I'll do that, but I'm not going to see that clown show. But you went anyway. Of course I went. You Why, did. I, I'm an idiot. I'm not going to go. Please. It's like a, it's like a challenge from you. Well, Let me, you know, I, I'll go to a clown show yeah. uh, because we've got to do this stuff, and we, we've got to be responsible and yeah. see what's going on. and. Okay. I would, so, I would, as the issuer of the challenge, Steve, yeah. uh, yes. what were your thoughts? Well, the challenge was to see the improv show, and I, and I, I, was, I didn't think Lynn was going to see this one. So well, I was like, oh, I'm just... But, uh, you know, we, we agree a fair bit on this show. Um, I would say uh, Christelle is very engaging. Um, it, you know, the show's fun. It's a diversion. Um, if you have time between two other Next Stage shows and you're not doing anything other than hanging around the tent... I think you should go see it. Yeah, just it's fun. Um, um, but I would not, as I said, it's it's a diversion. Uh, this this little surprise party you get to participate in, and it's a, you know kind of a fun experience. But I would not have gone out of my way to recommend someone go to the festival just to see the show. It's mm-hmm. a nice little add-on experience. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So that is the surprise. So that brings us to the end of part one of our Next Stage Theatre Festival coverage. Uh, So thanks very much for joining us. Uh, Part two is out now, so if you're uh, thinking of going to see Next Stage or you just want to hear uh, more of our two great critics uh, debating, uh, feel free to go check that out on iTunes right now. Uh, So thanks once again for joining us. Uh, I've been Tom McGee, your host. Uh, Here with me as always, uh, Lynn Slotkin. You can find her at theslotkinletter.com. Uh, or you can hear her weekly uh, from 9 to 10 on CIUT Friday morning, 89.5 FM. And, of course, our other critic is Steve Fisher. Uh, you can catch his piece on comedy picks for the winter season coming up soon in Now Magazine. Uh, you can also find him at gracingthestage.ca and at various karaoke bars throughout the city. <laughs> so, once again, many thanks to Brick and Mortar and to you for listening. So, um, for more information, uh, check out either Slotkin Letter or Grace in the Stage. Once again, I've been Tom McGee. And if you enjoyed the episode, uh, please give us a like or a review on iTunes. That really helps us a lot. And thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you soon. This has been Slotkin and Fisher at the Theatre. Today's episode was hosted, produced, and edited by me, Tom McGee, a Wahoppin Media production. Find out more at wahoppin.ca. Thanks for listening. <laughs>